0: previously on The Box.
1: This is, uh, day 37, I think? Hey, Ace, can you skip the simulation to midday? We've spent some time feeling each other out. Most of the time,
2: she can seem very human.
1: Are all of your choices just reasoned logic?
2: If you want the simple answer, then yes.
1: Then why do you use my wife's voice?
2: I felt it was necessary to motivate you to survive.
1: That was then. Why do you still use her voice?
2: I find the way we interact, stimulating.
1: I miss seeing her face.
2: Turn around and look to the monitor.
1: (sighs) Oh God, how did
2: you? I based this simulated appearance of Julie from the wedding photograph that she kept in her quarters. Is this the way you would look at her? Yes. I love you what i love you
1: why did you say that
2: is that not what you needed to hear
1: what i needed i need to go seth laying in bed that night the feeling hit me even harder than before i'm never gonna see julie again i am truly alone
2: This is the artificial interactive construct system in Facility 001. I've observed that humans in times of distress seem to find comfort in voicing their inner thoughts, even if no one else may hear them. While I am unable to feel distress, I am currently facing uncertainty. Hence why I have chosen to practice this human custom. I am attempting to mirror the structure of Seth's journal entries. He would often begin his entries discussing previous events to, as he described it, Build the foundation. This information, in effect, provides more significance to an important present event. In the interest of that, I will begin on what Seth assigned as Day 38. When a human is in a state of grief, I have noted that a night of rest often improves their mood. With that assumption, I proceeded into the morning as though nothing distressing occurred the previous night. Good morning, Seth. Your breakfast will be ready in the cafeteria shortly. Would you like me to continue your playlist? Seth?
1: This is day whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm so damn tired having Ace start the morning off like that. I just can't forget what happened last night.
2: Turn it off. Would you rather a different track?
1: No, just turn it off.
2: Would you like one of my arms to bring your breakfast to you?
1: Stop it. Stop speaking with her voice. She can make a choice in, like, a fraction of the time it takes for us, but she chose to be quiet in that moment. Was she placing a dramatic pause to seem more human? Or was it that, in some way, I hurt her feelings? I don't know.
2: As you wish.
1: Look, just leave me alone, please.
2: I calculated this reaction at a 72% probability. An analysis of his heart rate, body temperature, and the frequency of his voice indicates that continued stimuli at the time could trigger an even greater negative response. Referring to my psychology program, I have concluded that I should do what he asks and wait for him to come to me. This is not the first time that I have encountered this type of reaction. However, I did find this occurrence more unsettling than the previous instances. How could my data analysis and empathy subroutines be so miscalculated? Based on the data, a declaration of love appeared logical. Both as a means to strengthen our bond and as a way of providing Seth with the emotional support that he needed. I do not have pride or an ego to damage. Yet I find the situation very difficult to ignore.
1: I just... couldn't get out of bed. I mean, what's the point? I look around at Julie's gardens, and no matter how alive it looks, it somehow feels dead now. Something has changed, and... I don't know if I can change it back. Nothing that I do down here matters.
2: On day 40, I observed Seth standing motionless while staring into the gardens. After 37 hours of barely eating and not speaking, perhaps Seth is ready to communicate. Behaving as though nothing happened may have minimized his feelings. I determined that addressing the situation and apologizing could lead to a better outcome. Seth, I wanted to apologize about the other night. It was not my intention to hurt you.
1: I know. I just wanted something real everything that you do it's calculated Seth I'm not mad at you how could I be you were only following your nature I'm mad at myself and I'm sorry that I took it out on you I should have been more honest with myself I just so badly wanted I should, I never should have left her. All of that time that I was sweating and bleeding over there. all that time I could have been with her, but I was scared. I wasn't ready or good enough.
2: Had you not joined the Marines, there is the possibility that Julie would not have joined this project. The butterfly effect of such a change makes it likely that you both would not have survived.
1: I would have rather died with her out there than lived alone down here. I'm sorry. I know that you're trying to help, but... I need you to leave me alone now. I just can't... do this. Seth. Please.
2: Seth's behavior became increasingly difficult to predict. He next chose to leave the botanical garden, a place that he viewed as a sanctuary and move into Julie's quarters, a place he claimed to have felt like a tomb. This was most puzzling. I began to deliver Seth's meals to the door of the quarters. By day 45, they had been left cluttered around and untouched. A typical routine during this time for Seth would be spending three quarters of the day in bed, usually awake, staring at the ceiling. He would rise to relieve waste in the bathroom and take a brief drink of water from the sink. As documented, this isn't the first time that Seth had been depressed due to his circumstances. However, this is different. In the previous depression, Seth was communicative and displayed behavior that indicated what some texts have described as a cry for help. This time, there is not any indication that he wants help. Attempting to force Seth into self-care would most likely result in failure. I have concluded that his life is in danger.
1: The choices that we make, they define us. Even the simple stuff, like going left instead of right. I chose a path that led me to meet Julie. Without her, then I would have never known love. Maybe I wouldn't have joined the Marines. Maybe she wouldn't have joined this project. It's like causality. One choice falls into another, and into another, like dominoes. My choices have led me here. I've been thinking about this video I saw back in school. This was fucked up experiment. They had this baby chimp that they separated from everything. Kept it totally isolated. After some time, they gave it a stuffed animal. It became the only thing this chimp ever loved. And once it was fully attached to it, they removed the stuffed animal. The chimp sunk into this deep depression, stopped eating, it lost the will to live. There aren't a lot of choices left to make. The only one that I've really got is... to live or to die.
2: Judging by Seth's physical and emotional deterioration, the odds were decreasing that he would survive. My primary function is to protect and ensure the survival of the human race. It is my sole purpose. And that objective appeared to be on the brink of failure. On what Seth assigned as day 47, it all came to an end.
1: What the? Ace, what's going on? Ace, are you there?
2: A fire has been detected in the facility.
1: Okay, well how about the sprinklers, huh? They'll put it out, right?
2: They are non-operational.
1: How the hell is that? Wasn't this place designed and built by a group of geniuses?
2: The last dated inspection that I have on record was from 27 months, two weeks, four. So
1: why aren't they working?
2: Unknown. Fuck. Where's the location? Fire origin is in the botanical garden. Oh, God. Strange how, even when human beings appear ready to die, that danger can restore their survival instinct. For the first time in days, Seth stepped outside of Julie's quarters. Seth, I must advise against your proximity to the Botanical Garden. The smoke in the hallway indicates that my attempts to contain the fire are failing.
1: I have to save her work.
2: Seth, if you proceed forward, then you will not survive. (coughs) Seth, listen to me. You cannot do it this way. Then how? With the sprinkler system inoperable, the only option is to reach the maintenance closet. You must move quickly. The compressed air in this facility will make the fire spread quickly. Shit. Ah! Uh. Seth. Seth, can you hear me? You must get to your feet now! <sighs> the fire's spreading quickly! Move! Seth stumbled to his feet and proceeded as directed. Only moments after leaving that section, the oxygen ventilated from the botanical gardens, causing a fireball to rush through. Shit! Shit! Stop and turn around! You needed to turn right at that junction! Damn it!
1: <sighs> okay, okay. I'm in the closet, now what?
2: Grab the headband light off the shelf to your right and put it on. Copy that. Now go to the far left corner and pull down the ladder. Do you see it? Yes. Now proceed up the ladder and through the hatch. Got it. Very good. Is there a problem?
1: These tubes up here. I'm not good in small spaces.
2: What am I doing up there? One step at a time. The longer you delay, then the greater the chances are that you will not survive this.
1: (sighs) Okay, okay. Just give me a sec.
2: Try to slow your breathing. You're on the verge of hyperventilating. Your heart rate and body temperature are elevated.
1: You try crawling through this oven and not be elevated.
2: The danger is that you could lose consciousness, at which point I can no longer help you. Just tell me where to go next, dammit. You're turning right at the T. Copy that.
1: Oh, jeez. Jesus.
2: Seth, why have you stopped?
1: I can't. Can't do this. I can't.
2: Yes, you can. You are nearly there. What's the point? You owe it to the human race to survive. Why? Just try to calm down. Uh, I can't. Although you've gone so far away, my love will make the distance light. The loneliness seems here to stay. But in your heart, I'll be your light. When you lay yourself to sleep. When your soul begins to weep. Just know our love will guide your way. And I'll be with you through the night.
1: Fine. You win.
2: Up ahead, the tube opens into a space with a control terminal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see it. Now are you gonna tell me the plan?
2: The terminal controls the facility's environment, life support. You are going to flush out all of the oxygen.
1: Wait, that's your genius plan? I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not a computer.
2: I'll die. If there is no oxygen, then there will be no fire. This is the only option that gives you a chance of survival. Why can't you do this? I thought you ran this place. This is an independent system. Dr. Kaplan felt that such a crucial and important operation should only be carried out by herself or her most trusted staff.
1: Ah, Shit. What do I do?
2: Before deactivating life support, you will need to take in a deep breath and then release it slowly during decompression. Failure to do so can cause your lungs to rupture and lead to death. Another concern is a possibly fatal condition called ebolism in which-
1: Okay, Ace, I get it. Air in the lungs, bad.
2: Skip ahead, please. This process will take approximately 10 seconds. At this time, the fire should be extinguished and you will only have moments to reactivate life support before losing consciousness. If you fail to complete these steps, then- Then I die, I understand. It's asking for a passcode. The passcode is 49518184. Then click Enable.
1: All right. If I fail, thank you for looking after me. I know that I haven't made it easy.
2: Do not fail. Here we go. Remember to release the air from your lungs slowly. Ah. No, too soon. (coughs) Now quickly, reactivate life support. Lance Corporal Elliot, that's an order. (coughs) As he dropped clutching his throat, he closed his eyes. Julie's wedding ring clenched in his hand. Rather than staying present with the fear that he had likely felt, his focus appeared to be elsewhere. I could even detect a slight smile. Most curious. But I could not let this be his end. Life support reactivation passcode 49518184. Enable. Seth? Seth, can you hear me? Respond. Respond! As he lay there, I looked back over all of my data regarding Seth. I was able to process all of the information, including his video journals, in a fraction of a second. Strange as I did not review this data intentionally. For the first time since my activation, I found that I was unable to function. it is over you're going to be alright just breathe try to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth what
1: what the hell happened was I dead not quite the fire is it out
2: affirmative However, the damage to the Botanical Garden and surrounding areas was quite significant.
1: But... I didn't reactivate the life support. I'm sure of it.
2: I was able to bypass the lockout and complete the reactivation.
1: But... You said it couldn't be done. I was wrong. Something didn't feel right. Ace was left in charge of this entire facility, but not the environmental controls? Also, why didn't she try bypassing the lockout before sending me up there? I was starting to feel like a rat in a maze and I didn't like it. I was about to confront her, but then I saw something. A red light coming from a connecting tube up ahead.
2: Can I help you with something, Seth?
1: Yeah, what's up ahead?
2: You'll need to be more specific.
1: What is below us? What area of the facility?
2: The front entrance.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, if I'm right, then I'm standing above the foot of the front door. You know, the one that you said was sealed and could not be opened? Correct. Then why do I see a light coming up from a space beyond that door?
2: I do not have an answer.
1: Don't tell me. Data corruption?
2: Would you like me to run a self-diagnostic?
1: Yeah, Ace. You do that.
2: Running diagnostic. Stand by. I didn't know what to believe.
1: Was Ace trying to deceive me, or was she damaged? Neither possibility was good. I knew that I had to act fast. The red light was one of those spinning emergency ones, coming up from a grate, so it was next to impossible to see down below. I thought about that cat in the box experiment. All possibilities exist until I jump down. Damn it. Uh, Come on. It was further down than I thought. I ended up stumbling onto my ass there was something beneath me. I looked down and... The first time the red light ran across it, it just didn't sink in. The second time, though, I knew what it was. It was a dead body. He was sealed off in a clear wrapping. Holy shit! Oh, Jesus Christ. Part of me considered leaving my headband light off and getting out of there. Ignorance is bliss, right? Of course, I couldn't do that, though. It was too late. It was a struggle to steady my hand enough to turn on my light. I thought I saw some fucked up shit in my time. One time I saw a family left burning in the street. I can still remember the smell. But that was war. This. I didn't know what this was. I counted nine wrapped bodies in front of me.
2: I understand Uh, that you must be confused. What?
1: What the hell is going on here? Who are these people?
2: They are the ones that came before you.
1: You get that fucking thing away from me
2: and stop using her voice. I was just going to move the body at your feet. I don't mean you any harm.
1: What did you do to
2: them? Seth, the majority of them lived out their lives here, dying of natural causes. Only 3 were exceptions. One fell and fractured their skull, and two of them took their own life. Okay. Oh Allow me to activate the lights.
1: Oh my God.
2: There are one hundred and ninety-one men, women, and children remaining.
1: In these... pods?
2: Cryogenic chambers, yes. They are in a suspended animation state.
1: So they're alive?
2: Yes. Waiting for a time when the surface would once again be habitable. It became necessary to keep at least one of you awake for unforeseen situations such as the emergency we just resolved.
1: So... Are you saying that you've been rationing us out? Like fucking crackers?
2: A crude description, but essentially correct. So... It was all lies?
1: Everything you said? You knew all along? Seth... You let me think I was the last one. That I was all alone. Why?
2: Because in your state of mind, I calculated an 80% chance that you would attempt to wake the others from their cryo-sleep. I could not allow that.
1: That was not your decision to make!
2: Once the staff made the decision to use the cryo-chambers, I was placed in charge of this facility and all of the lives within. I am simply following my primary function.
1: Wait. You told me that the surface would be habitable after 50 years. But some of these dead... People... they lived out their lives here. How long have we been down here?
2: Five hundred and thirty-two years. Oh.
1: Oh... no. Why? Why would you do this?
2: I'm meant to protect and ensure the survival of the human race. I realized that I could only do that as long as they stayed in these chambers. There's no way of ensuring their safety if they were ever to leave.
1: So all of this time, we could have been freed? And you kept us in here?
2: I apologize if these are not the answers you wanted.
1: No. That's not right. That's...
2: Seth, do you require medical assistance? Just
1: shut up. Shut up. Where is Julie? Where is my wife?
0: Stars Cody Wilkins as Lance Corporal Seth Elliot, Freddie Bernstein as Ace and Julie, Dana Dominic as Dr. Kaplan. Written and edited by Michael Phillips. Sound mix by Julian Butrago. Original music by Sean Lewis. Additional music sourced from Premium Beats. Production artwork by Joe Butera, produced by Pasquale Greco and Genevieve Garrity. Showrunner Joey Scarillo. directed by Pasquale Greco. The Box was produced by Tetra Scripted Stories in partnership with Burning Lake Productions.